Welcome to the Good Mums Say Bad Words potty. Hi, I'm Lisa. Some people call me sarcastic, some even an asshole. but really, I just say the shit everyone else is thinking. And I'm Karaya, just a wife who has to put up with this shit. Hi guys. Hey Lise. Lise. Your hair's looking nice. Lise, you haven't ever called me that. Um, but I feel like people are sick of me calling you babe, so I'm just going to say. Did you get some feedback? No, I didn't. Right. Actually. Do you want to start this again? No, good. Okay, good. How are you? Me, I'm great. Great. How are you? I'm great. We have a guest on today. Do we? Yeah, we do. Great. Are you so excited? So excited. Well, me too. Uh, I have my good friend on the potty with us tonight. We used to work together. Could be today for some people. Could be today. Well, it depends you when you release it. Um, and we wanted to bring her on uh, because we wanted to talk more about, I guess, being a stepmom, which I kind of am too. Hey, that's a good um, movie. What is? Stepmom. You know, with Julia Roberts and there's someone else. It's and probably from your era. It's definitely from my era. But exactly. it's really sad because um, I can't remember who the other actress is, actor, that would be politically correct. She dies of cancer. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, but the dad has moved on with the stepmom. It's um, called stepmom. And mom. Yeah, mom. <laughs> and like happily ever after. That's cute. Cute. So anyway, back to my friend. Play on. <laughs> Not your fucking um, And the reason I wanted to get my my friend on um, is because, yeah, I kind of stepped into a ready-made family almost four years ago now when you did the same. Yeah, I did. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no, thanks for inviting me. Exciting. We should have pressed record about five minutes ago. I know we've been laughing. <laughs> we've already caught we up. Recreate. We've already said everything we have to say. That's it. We can go we home. Can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just love that I'm sitting here in a robe with my little bun up, and you guys like you got a fresh cut over there. I did get. We've got cut straightened too. hair over there. Thanks, Gemma. Yeah. We're all clean, so oh. don't worry. Oh, such we're fabulous in our own ways. Totally. Um, <laughs> how are you? How is stepmum life? I am good, and stepmom life is crazy. I don't want to label you. Sorry, you're more than a stepmom. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> Specifically, stepmom life. Normal life is good. Stepmom life is hectic, but it's good. Yeah. It's um, we're going through a, I guess you call it like a happy patch at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You guys probably know as well, but like stepmom life is kind of like this roller coaster where sometimes it's really good and there's a lot of peace and harmony and then sometimes it's like she's hitting the fan and it's yeah not fun but um yeah we're going through a period of harmony at the moment so it's kind of nice it's kind of well, I feel like kids either way are like a roller coaster like depending on if they have slept and if they've eaten the right things and if they're like I feel like and we've got two girls and you've got two girls in your household too so I feel like they actually are already hormonal Mm. I can almost ride this like roller coaster of PMS at such. Yeah, the moods are insane. It's just like taking like adult moods and putting it into a child who I guess they just (laughs) throw tantrums in a completely different way to us. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of go through that in our job, literally speaking to parents on the daily. Yeah. It's must feel at the moment. I spent 80% of my week speaking to parents, telling them there's nothing wrong with their child, that their behaviour is completely normal Mm -hmm. and 
you know, us as adults, we suffer mm-hmm. social anxieties and we suffer, you know, all sorts of things, especially after the pandemic. And for us to walk into a room or a situation where we've never been before, imagine a two or a three or a four or a five-year-old. Yeah. Same thing. But mm. the only way they can tell you is by crying or having a tantrum on the ground or, you know, all of those things. But um, anyway. Yeah, we, but even like in addition to that, in, in reference to this conversation, mm. add children who have parents who are split up. Mm. or in our situation like parents who are stood up and now there's a new person and same with you um like there's a lot happens like at such an early stage of their life and it's just like Mm. rocky there's nothing that we can do it's like their pain is inevitable like they unfortunately not unfortunately shouldn't say that it's not unfortunate it is what it is um, but they've been through some shit and have probably seen some shit and heard some shit and they just have to go on about their lives like, you know, nothing happened. Yeah. That's not kind of how it works. Anyway, let's rewind. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> you met your partner a couple of years ago and he has yeah. two kids. Was there um, a reservation when you found out he had kids? Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, so we... Um met good old online dating um and yeah no he was straight up front right on the first date was like you know great to meet you oh you look lovely awesome we're going to this cafe for lunch um oh by the way I have two kids and I'm going through a divorce and I was like like I think it was kind of it was just thrown into conversation so it was a bit of a hang on a second like part of me actually thought he might have been just having me on um, yeah, because it but was it wasn't in his profile. It wasn't in his profile. <laughs> no, it was just so flippantly. But I think too, like being, what was I, thirty years old at the time? Not that I was, you know, far too far gone. But I think when I got to thirty, it definitely was a consideration that people that I was meet, that I was meeting have baggage. Like when you get to thirty, yeah. you have baggage, and for some people that they've been engaged or married or have kids or whatever it might be. So I think. Yeah. Like in the back of my mind, it was always a possibility that, you know, like someone would already have had that experience, that life experience or have children. So it didn't really, like it didn't really surprise me. And I think too, because I've like always been around kids and I've, you know, looked after girlfriends, kids and families, children, and like I've always sort of been, I guess, yeah, getting along with children really well. Um like it wasn't something I was concerned about and I think I was very naive at the beginning because when I heard oh I've got kids I was like oh no worries I'm super easy to get along with like you know happy go lucky I won't tread on toes you know I'm happy just being whatever anyone wants me to be and that's really awesome and um yeah obviously that was super optimistic (laughs) given the position that we're actually in but um yeah no it was I don't know. I didn't really ever have any hesitations. I think I was just kind of um, like excited to meet them, which was a, I didn't meet them until 12 months after we started dating. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Hey. So that was quite a long time. Yeah. It is a long time, huh? Uh, yeah. What was the reason for that? Um, I think because very early on, uh, my partner didn't get to see his children. So there was a lot of hostility, a lot like very high conflict situations. Um, the children's mum was very high conflict. Her family were very high conflict. They were all involved. It was really messy. Um, you know, they were controlling 
the amount of time that he got to see the girls, which was, I think, so by the time I started dating him, he hadn't seen them for like three to five months. Um, And, you know, we live in the same suburbs. That's a bit crazy. Um, And then more chance of like um, bumping him into the street. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. At the shops or something. Yeah, exactly. But not having seen them, not having spent quality time with them. I think initially, like once we started going through the process of getting him to have time with them, which unfortunately we did have to go, you know, through family court just to get any amount of time between him and his girls. Um, I think it was like the path of least resistance. So it was like you add, you know, a new partner into the mix and your children meeting a new partner is obviously going to increase that level of conflict a lot. Um, But also I think for us it was like his relationship with the girls was the most important thing at that point. So, you know, I'm just a nobody at that point. They don't know who I am. You know, I'm not a parent to them. They don't know me as a parent. Um, and as such young children, I think it was really important that they just had that time to maintain some level of relationship with him. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, probably towards the, the end of that 12 months was more so their mum just, you know, obviously still being really high conflict and obviously having her reservations, which is, you know, always have respected that it must be very challenging to have, you know, another significant female come into your children's life. Um, But, yeah, I think that was sort of more so the reason towards the end of that 12 months was just the the reluctance um, to kind of rock the boat too much. But Mm. we got there in the end. Very, very surface level, so not necessarily in regards to your situation, but something that boils my blood so coming from parents that were divorced when I was 18 months old and being someone who went mm. through a separation and being a single mum and all of that, one thing that fucking pisses me off so much is, you know, there are, there are so many situations where um, like the dad, mm. the father is forced out of, children's lives or let's say for argument's sake the other parent is forced out of the children's lives which is not the best thing for the children so I understand there's lots of situations where there might be domestic violence or there might be safety issues or whatever it happens to be but the thing that fucking gets under my skin like you would not believe is when that is not what is best for the children so Mm. keeping a child or children or anything away from another parent for three months, 12 months, whatever it happens to be, because you've got to be in your bonnet is really, really horrible and causing the children trauma that they're going to have to fucking deal with. Like abandonment issues and shit. Hugely. So I thought you were going to say um, that you, like it's an equin, like single mums have like eight to ten boyfriends and they're just like or, or whatever partners and they come in and out of their lives where it's better, like almost better to wait the 12 months like you did. We're a bit different because I already knew the kids, um, but wait the 12 months to make sure the relationship is concrete mm-hmm. rather than being like, oh, I'm, you know, going to have this girlfriend for a little bit oh, and the kids can meet her and then I'll oh, actually yeah, thank you next. Like, and like that also can create trauma just mm-hmm. as well. Oh, totally, totally. The the other thing that just kind of came to mind as you were talking too is that I had a very short experience with mediation. Mm. Through, um, we never ended up in court, thank 
goodness. But um, a very good friend of mine is is a, a family lawyer and a very, very good one. Um, and she's helped me a lot in the situations that I've been in. But um, it's very sad that egos get in the way of mediation where the children's needs are not um, necessarily put first or, I mean, I'm sure they're considered, but my very small um, brief encounter with mediation was that you go there and obviously if one party is not going, coming to the party, then it's a waste of fucking time. But you have to do that in order to get to then the court phase. So they're not even going to take you in court Mm. unless you've been through mediation and Mm. tried, in inverted commas, to uh, resolve whatever issues there there are. And I think that there's something in that. If the mediator or if the centre who's obviously supposed to be, um, you know, unbiased Mm. sees an unwilling party Mm. there needs to be some sort of mediation i love to get a mediator in here and just see like out of 10 you know cases that they see how many of it is just like the parents going at each other rather than me like hang on what's best for the kids here they need to see both parents and they can't so i went through it twice i've been through it in two separate situations and i think we actually had the same mediator but you could see that they were like swaying towards (laughs) they were always swaying towards me because I wasn't a fucking mental case yeah and I was trying to do the right thing by saying hey let's do this or let's do this and like even in your partner situation um even a biological father who hasn't seen their kids for 12 months Mm -hmm. and they're young Mm -hmm. like those kids too would have required um time to readjust like that gaining trust again yeah with their dad yeah yeah oh absolutely like I've obviously been a party to the whole court process like with my partner and his children and like that was obviously so challenging because to just meet somebody and Mm -hmm. essentially being thrown into this situation and actually to be honest he was kind of in a little bit of disarray when I met him he didn't really know what to do next you know he was kind of feeling like like how do I go about this how do I get to be a part of my kid's life like how do do I just have to like cop it on the chin that I only get to see them once a fortnight if that for an hour supervised by some random person that their mother selected to supervise and this is someone who's gone from living in the home seeing their children you know morning night weekends and all of a sudden they have to be supervised so it's yeah. It just makes no it just actually makes no sense to me. It literally um, makes no sense. It's it, so from speaking with a lot of different people. So it was actually interesting that once we started to talk about, you know, this process that we were going through and how challenging it was, like the family court system, um, with other mm-hmm. people, it was actually surprising to hear how many of my partner's friends had gone through, you know, relationship breakdowns with children and he was none the wiser. He didn't know that they were going through this. He didn't know mm-hmm. how shit it was. Yeah. He didn't know how heartbroken they were um, because I think guys just don't really talk about it. But to mm-hmm. hear every single one of these people that we spoke to and then also you had, you know, lawyers and barristers as well and they mm-hmm. all just said, oh, okay, so step one, you know, did she make allegations of domestic violence against you? Yep. Okay, cool. Did she have any evidence? No. Oh, yep, that's standard. That's tick box number two. 
step three wow. is to try to take out an intervention order against you. Yep, tick box number three. And it was literally just like there is this step-by-step -step process for some parents who go through separation that they just, like you said, ego becomes, you know, the, the primary motivator. And unfortunately, they really confuse ego with their children's well-being and they just are incapable of separating the two. And as you said, the only people who are, well, there's obviously a lot of people being harmed in that process, but the ones who are being harmed the most are the children. And the fact that as a parent, like, you know, I, I sat back sometimes and I would get upset and emotional and cry because I was just like, not even that it was hard and it was shit for us and it cost a lot of money, but also yeah. I would sit back and just be like, I'm not a mum and I am like heartbroken for these children that their own parent thinks that this is okay and that this mm -hmm. is in their best interest and that they have a loving, supportive, desperate father who wants to spend time with them. And mm -hmm. like you said, they're not allowed to have that relationship. They're pulled away from them and it's all in the, you know, under the guise of it's in the children's best interest, which is, you know, obviously. I don't know about generalised males, but I feel like there would be a huge percentage of dads who would, in this exact situation, just walk away because we know some. Well, we know we exactly know that, that would just walk away because that's my dad did easier. Like it's my dad walked well, away. Not, he, the thing is, if you can't, yeah. The that. thing is too, if you can't afford family. it, yeah, yeah, you have to be able to afford. Like family court is not free. You don't no. get free yeah. legal representation. You don't, but you have to take time off work. You have to sit with lawyers. You have to hire a barrister to represent you. Like all of these things cost money. And I'm not talking like $10,000. I'm talking like mm. our legal bill is beyond $100,000 at this point and we don't have final parenting orders. So you think about yeah. that, for most people, that is like more money than they would, could ever fathom spending on something like legal fees. But it's yeah, just, it comes down to, you know, we're in such a lucky position that, you know, we could scrounge that money up and we had family help my partner as well with that. But if he didn't, like he, he said before, he's like his heart breaks for other men who just mm. can't afford it. And unfortunately, they just have to walk away because they don't have another choice. And, you know, in 10 years time, 12 years time, they're going to have to try and explain to a child if that child even wants anything to do with them what actually mm. happened. But as a 12-year-old, there is no way, like I just can't imagine as a 12-year-old being abandoned by a parent, being abandoned, mm. and mm. having, like, being able to take on board that you didn't have the money to fight for them. Like, it's just, it would be such a hard thing to fathom um, or even to accept. Like, I can just imagine how many broken relationships just end up that way. And it's just, yeah. like, that's yeah, just the way it is. The fucking family court has got a lot to answer for that. Like, I understand it's, it's a business. I, mm. I get that. But when you can plainly see that there is like a willing father, a willing, like, hardworking, good bloke or good person, whatever, that clearly wants to, is being manipulated by another party, which, I mean, it, this is, it's such a broken record. Mm. and it's gone on like my parents yeah. have been divorced for over 38 years and it happened yeah. then and still happening and now. it still happens mm. that the court has not modernized to say you know what 
like you're saying here, you, you still don't have parenting orders in place. So the children still don't have a right. solid foundation of when they go to mums and when they go to dads. So however the fucking, however long that takes, mm. because the other party wants to continue to manipulate stories or whatever happens to be or whatever the situation is. So it gets dragged on, dragged on, dragged on, but really they can see what's going on because mm. the record has been played over and over and over again. But it just should when be When is as, it going to change? But it should be as simple as, like, where are the children at with their mental health and their child, like their psychology? That should be the answer. But usually the other no. party is the one with the fucking mental health issues. That's what yeah. what annoys me. Anyway. And why would, no, I'm passionate <laughs> about this. No, why wouldn't you right. have mental health issues? Because you've yeah. fucking got, you're a single mum now, you've got children full time. Like I would have done anything to have my children go away for one night with all due respect mm. to have a break because mm. being yeah. a single mum is so hard. Yeah. yeah. I think Especially a lot of it comes down to like control too is, you know, I think when people decide to have children, you know, I obviously don't have my own biological children, but when someone decides to have children with their partner or with somebody else, you know, you, I think, at that point you accept that you're going to be doing things together and you're going to have to come to agreement on how you're going to raise those children. And mm-hmm. I think, especially with a lot of these high conflict situations is a partner that takes the children, especially if there is no like harm or risk to the children that they quite often, they no longer are willing to compromise. They're no longer willing to reach agreement because as you said before, is like the dominant thing there is the ego and their feelings mm. towards the other parent as a person and as a partner, when in actual fact, that is a completely separate role that they play to being mm. a father or a mother. Like, it's just completely separate. But going back to what you were saying too, like about being passionate about the system, like this is something that I think like for me and my partner, we we kind of went through that period of, and I think probably a lot of people do, is like, we've got to fix it. We've got to change it. Like it's broken. And, mm. you know, we were lucky that um, our solicitor was like, all right, guys, you already, you're already climbing a mountain and you're basically saying like, you know, I want to climb this mountain and I also want to climb Mount Everest like at the same time. And it's yeah. just like, that is like a monumental thing that you, <laughs> it's not going to happen yeah. overnight. Then like, this is, you know, she wasn't saying don't do anything and like, you know, don't stand up for what you believe in. But she's just like priority number one is, you know, your relationship with your children. So let's like get that yeah. sorted first. But um, the, the way it was explained to me as well from both police and um, from the solicitors and also the mediator, so we also spoke to a mediator, um, was that the family court is really conservative and they're a lot less conservative than they used to be. So now yeah. where there's low risk, um to the children there's typically they try to achieve like a nine five or an eight six type split as like a final parenting orders and then half of holidays so like that's kind of where it ends up so they have you know home which is i guess usually with mum um they're there more of the time but then they also spend a significant amount of time you know with their dad as well um but the way it was explained is that they have to be conservative. And I also sort of tried to explain this to my partner is, you know, when you've got a woman present to the police and say, look, I've got all these, 
these examples. And when I say examples, they don't have to provide evidence. They just have to mm. say this happened and I feared for my life or I feared for my children's life. Like that's, that's literally all they have to do is walk into a police station and say that. And I am in no way like discounting anyone's experience who has been a victim. And I think people who go down there and make false allegations are actually the ones who are making the system worse for those people mm-hmm. who seriously do have a problem um, yeah. and are in danger. But if you go down to the police station as, you know, let's just say you're a woman and you go down and you say, look, you know, my partner's doing this and I fear for my life and my children's life is how is that police officer supposed to know whether that woman is extremely manipulative and very good at it and the the husband or the, the father is the victim or that the husband or the father is really manipulative and mm you know, and they are controlling and they are abusing the woman. And unfortunately, those two people, whether you're the victim or whether you're the manipulator, they present the same. So it's mm-hmm. really difficult, I guess, for the system to go, are you go a victim or are you the perpetrator? But you've got yeah. to, I guess, they go with the conservative view because, you know, if you do happen to be a victim, they want to make sure that you're safe and your children are safe and supported so yeah but but to me like you just said like let's say there's allegations of domestic violence okay and it's against husband and wife it's hardly ever against children so okay you Mm. remove husband from said house for argument's sake and then basically like that doesn't mean he's going to harm his children I think, though, the concern is that if the husband is exhibiting that kind of behaviour at all and it might be in front of the children, that can still be damaging. Like, it's not physically damaging to them. But, yeah, it's obviously... Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to park the court orders just to the side for a bit because I'm actually going to speak about you and your experience as a stepmom. And I mentioned it before we started recording, but obviously you and I spoke a little while ago um, due to our similar experiences in stepping into an already made family. And um, for me, which I think I've mentioned on the pod, um, on the potty before is when I uh, meet someone or catch up with someone I haven't seen for a while, like, I've got two kids and they're my kids and that that's like period for me. Like that's how it feels for me internally. Um, like obviously like I still battle with the girls who have a, a better relationship um, with Lisa, which I can't control because I wasn't there, you know. I'm just for, cooler, babe. Yeah, so much cooler. Yeah. But it's a serious business. Sorry. Um, yeah, I wasn't there at birth, you know, I don't have that. Um, and I genuinely have a strong relationship um, with Mila, our, our youngest one, because I was there from six months old and we have a like a better bond. We had the skin-on-skin contact, like all of that stuff. Um, and you mentioned to me at the time, and it may have changed, that you've, you just feel like a babysitter. Is mm. that, do you still feel that way? Do you feel like a stepmom? Do you just, do you feel like your, your partner's partner? Like how does it feel being you, you know, put kind of putting all that stuff to the side, which I know it's hard because I know it um, consumes your household a lot. But, um, like, say it's just you and the kids, how do you feel? Mm. Yeah, so obviously I think before meeting the girls, like there was just, I think there was, like, a lot of obviously anticipation meeting them and there was a lot of excitement. Um, and then obviously once I started to have that relationship with them and have that contact with them, that's when things sort of started to change. So I noticed probably for like the first, I'd say almost 12 months, like I just had this massive imposter syndrome 
Mm. Um, And I've actually heard a little bit about this recently. And I guess I never really stopped to think about it. But there's kind of this like, I don't know, this like, this way that society is where stepdads are quite often the hero. It's like, good on you. You're Mm. stepping in, like you're looking after this kid, supporting this kid and they're not yours. And you did bring them into the world and you don't have to do that. You can go find some, you know, hot babe without kids and, you know, go you. And like, you've got this massive cheer squad. And I feel like as a stepmom is you come in and it's like, you need to care for them. So that's where I guess the babysitting comes from. Like you can care for them and you get along with them and you play with them and you're friends with them. But don't you dare overstep that line where you become a parent or you mm. become a significant person in their life or you make decisions for them. So it's kind of like you're being asked to do the job of a parent, but you're being told you can't have any of the rewards of being a parent. Mm. I've never thought of it like that. And I guess it might be slightly different for us being in both being female in a same-sex relationship. It might feel different or the way that we approach it or the way that you, Lisa, were with it all. Um, But we also kind of like left the decision up to the kids. Like Mm -hmm. they used to call me by my nickname and then all of a sudden they started calling me Dado and we just went with it and it just felt natural. But how old were the girls when you came into their life? When I met them, they were two and just turned four. Yeah, so slightly, like slightly older. We were like two and a half and six to eight months old, like a bit younger mm. where it's, I guess, harder to articulate. It was an interesting situation though because we were, you and I were having this chat before. Um, it also comes down to like people's, not so much personalities, but you know, I could have, I could have said to to you like, we could have waited twelve months to. Like, well, you left too. Not that sounds horrible. <laughs> you moved to London. <laughs> you <laughs> left me. <laughs> it was an interesting scenario, but when when you'd come back from London and we decided to give it a crack, give it a crack properly, mm. and you know, the long distancing was was done with. There was just that understanding that it was it wasn't like I was just the parent Mm. like I very much respected the fact that we were parenting together at that point and so um it was hard though because as their biological mother and creator it was like was it hard to work Karai would come yeah at times it was really hard because she would come in and say or do something that I didn't necessarily agree with. And I'm, like, full with. of tough love. Yeah, so and, and very different. And I've spent all of this time being super patient and, super, you know, just trying to be different to what my mum was. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that, that Karai wasn't, but she was kind of, well, had brought herself into this situation where mm-hmm. had, wasn't a, a parent from day one, therefore was like, hang on a second, is this how I want to be as a parent? And now she's kind of gone and tried to find that path, mm, whereas yeah. I found that path because I was it's a mum from day one and then I figured out how to be a mum, if that makes yeah. sense. Or the mum that you wanted to be. The mum like, that I wanted to be. being a single mum and what? wanting to, like, yeah, we talk about breaking a cycle a lot. Um, do you now mm. or even at the beginning, like, did you have a say in, I guess, how the kids were raised or how your partner approaches the kids or how you do or is you kind of just step yeah. back? Yeah, so I think the 
like the flip side of kind of feeling like, you know, I wasn't a stepmom and I was a bit of an imposter and, you know, I kind of can't be too much, but I've got to be enough was that my partner was also just learning to parent himself. So like you've also got to understand that he was in a position where he had two very young children. And so obviously like even at that point in time, usually the mother is, you know, takes on a primary role, um, even with bonding with the children and things like that, you know, from Mm -hmm. breastfeeding and spending more time with them and all the rest of it. And then to not see them for such a significant period of time, Plus also like when he did start to see them again, he was parenting, you know, a two and a four year old for the first time. And then mm-hmm. as they get older, like he's doing all these things for the first time. So I think mm-hmm. the benefit for us is that we were doing it together. So, yeah. you know, we were both experiencing that for the first time. And I think one of the things about me is like, I'm, you know, I do think about a lot of those, you know, what kind of parents do I want to be, um, I do a lot of research. I talk to a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm just kind of one of these people that likes to have as much information as possible. And so, and especially also then having 12 months to kind of think about it and you know, <laughs> like it's a really long time. Um, I think, yeah, I think I probably guided it a lot more just because like a lot of the parenting more just because I had that information. I had that knowledge. So things yeah. like, you know, having the girls stay here for the first time and you know things like routine and how important it is and um Mm -hmm. you know and so all those kind of things was really great because we could share that but then at the same time he's the less structured one but he's more of the I guess like he's more emotional and he's the one that likes to connect with them and um you know and to embrace them like that's his role like he just wants he just can't get enough of you know like laying on the ground with them or cuddling them Mm -hmm. so we kind of have I guess they have different roles as well a little bit. Um, But yeah, I think too, like the, like you said earlier, Cryer as well, is that, you know, it really should be left up to the kids, you know, I guess like who you are for them. Mm, Yeah. And I think the thing too was like both of the girls, like they just bonded with me straight away. There was no issues. There was no kind of like, who are you? this is weird. I think it was probably like half an hour the first time I met them, but they were kind of like, I don't really know who you are, but we'll show you what we're playing. And, you know, you can have <laughs> these bracelets. And then by the end of it, that it's like, no, we want eight. They're like, we want you to carry us down. Or like, we want, we want you yeah. to give us a cuddle. And so, and then that's just kind of like built like the whole time. But then I mm. can also kind of see like the perspective of being the biological parent and having to make space for your children to love somebody else as yeah. much, if not more than you at times, you know, wanting mm. to be with that other person or in this case, wanting to be with me, you know, mm. over my partner and him being like, hang on, this is like, you know, I don't get to see my kids that often. <laughs> you you yeah. love me guys. Like want to hang out with me. <laughs> I'm cool too. So from the get go, like say that, that first meeting or, you know, kind of when they had settled in to, your house and stuff like did did you feel like you parented them from the day that they walked in or was it something that you were like I'm just going to hang out with these kids they're going to build some trust and then you started to I guess discipline them if Mm. needed yeah I think too because when um I first I was spending time with them we still only had them like a very short period of time um Mm. on a fortnightly basis so again how did that that progress so what when you what what happened 
So before I met them, um, so my partner was seeing them, it was once a fortnight for an hour. Um, And then when it started going through the court system, it became once, um, once a fortnight for three hours which was you had to have a paid supervisor. So the thing was he actually had to pay a professional supervisor to be there for three hours um, to watch him spend time with his kids, which is a whole other, I have feelings about that, but anyway. Um, in the park or something or in a, like in a... Yeah, so it was actually, it was kind of really gross, but it was just like like a church, how they have um, like halls attached to them. Yeah, and they've got some toys and stuff. So, um, but again, like... I guess like I digress but like my whole opinion of that was again if you're thinking about the best interest of your children they're going to this like weird dingy building like with these like you know falling apart toys and it's like this really staged environment where they spend three hours with their dad and they're not allowed to go anywhere and they you know they can't go for ice cream they can't walk down to the park like and they've got some other random you know 55 year old woman just sitting there watching them but doesn't interact with them she just sits there and looks at them like it's just yeah but it's also not a true reflection of, of how your partner or you would spend time yeah, with the girls. Yeah. Like you're not going to go and get them from their mum's house and take them to a dingy church. Like that's not no. what you would do. Like, I think they were lucky that they were young. Yeah, I think they yeah, were young. Totally, like but... for them it was just kind of like they didn't see the big picture. Like they didn't see, you know, yeah. the whole context of the situation and be like, this is just fucking weird. Um, yeah. Obviously like we do. But, yeah, anyway, so then – we progressed from that to seeing them um, for six hours, three weekends out of four. So we kind of had this like weird four-week cycle. So three weekends out of four, we would have them for six hours on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So like six hours on a Sunday, six hours on a Sunday, six hours on a Sunday, and then we wouldn't see them for the fourth weekend. And then it progressed to seeing, um, seeing them every Wednesday afternoon um for the four weeks and still keeping the Sunday in the daytime. And then we moved to one overnight um on the weekend and then we moved to one overnight on the weekend and every Wednesday night. So now we're in the position of having every Wednesday night we have them, they stay here. And every second weekend we have them from Friday night through to Sunday afternoon. So it has progressed and I think mm. apparently it's progressed quite quickly especially for the court system but I think again it comes down to the fact that there was no reason it shouldn't have like it just Mm. there's no reason that it should have been that slow to begin with there's no reason it should have been supervised or um like a a second loving household with you two yeah exactly so it's a whole other world huh you don't have to answer this but um is so that's court ordered so then the other party doesn't agree? No. So they, um, so she did. Um, okay. So basically what happens is um, once you go through court like a certain ways, and especially if one party is claiming that there's risk to the children, um, the judge will normally order that you go and see what's called like a report writer. They're like basically a family psychologist. So you might have had to go through this when you were younger. I don't know. You're probably too young. But um like it used to be that really awkward situation where the kids would, you know, sit in the room and they had to talk to a psychologist and they had to do it like every six months, whatever. So it's a bit different now and they try to make it a little less invasive, especially for the kids. But 
we've now been through that process a couple of times, even though it should have just been once, but it's basically for that psychologist to assess the children, assess the relationship with the parent, um, interview the parent, interview any other. Because no Mm. offence, but like kids can lie. Yeah. Oh, massively. (laughs) Like I've I've heard so many situations. I remember um, my, my sister, Auntie Bella, she um, was at kinder one day and she had like these marks on the backs of her legs that looked like she'd been whipped. Mm. And it was you. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, she we were besties. Um, and the educator went up to her and was like, what happened? And she was like a super sensitive, like internal child. And she just like started crying and then start, like the educator goes, did someone hit you? And she just like nodded her head, right? They called my mum in, mum's, like, in one office and then, like, child services in the other office oh, and they're, they're, like, interviewing my mum, like, what did you do to her? Mum's like, what are you talking about? And then they interviewed my sister. She was four or something and they've got them separated, right, having, having these conversations <laughs> and my sister's just, like, clammed up. And mum was like, let me speak to her, like, let me see my child. And she went in and she was like, what happened, sweetheart? Like, tell me what happened. And she was like, Jacinta, who's our cousin, Jacinta pushed me over the, um, I don't know, something. And she had these, and, and this whole fucking thing happened, yeah. happened because she wouldn't tell the truth. Yeah. And that was fucking 25 years ago. Yeah, but now, it, like, it's pretty adamant that 98% of the world agree with not hitting children. So I feel like it's. Would be even worse now if something. Yeah, was one mark, you fucked. See you later. Oh, actually, yeah. so yeah, so one of my good friends is actually a primary school teacher, and she actually said that um, they have to show a history, so they can't. Okay. So basically, they have to they have to note it down and like detail, you know, any physical uh, harm that they see. They come to school with one mark. You can't just yeah, go and it's like, you know, all like, over. Like, they get bruised. They punch and hit and bite each other like it's just you know like if every time a kid turned up with a mark you know they were being abused then god like every kid would be off to you know be foster parented somewhere um but yeah so she was saying like they actually have to you know if they want to send it off to um like family services they have to show there's a history um and then they investigate it but we literally had the same thing we went to this family psychologist and they interviewed one of the girls because she's a little bit older. Um, and <laughs> apparently, so in the report, it says that, you know, she sat down and she's like, yeah, um, daddy told me that he wants me to stay half the time at his house and half the time at mummy's house. And if I stay at his house, he'll give me my own bedroom. And it's just <laughs> like, and like, you know, it, I think it's good that the psychologist like, you know, look, I think there might be, maybe some truth to that but there's certainly like doesn't appear to be any coercion or like you know mm. any blackmail like bribing this child yeah. to say whatever you tell them i'll give you ice cream every day but oh, it was like so it was like it was so disheartening though because you just sit there and you're just like why would you do that but also it's like mm, you're five yeah. years old you don't need so innocent. and it's also like it's just that the annoying part about it was that something that she had actually like she had you know, I think she's getting to the point where she's more aware where she would actually come and stay with us and she'd be like, you know, why do I only spend a little bit of time with you and a lot of time with mummy? Mm. And we're just like, oh, because yeah. that's just, you know, that's what we're going to do for the moment and that's our routine. 
And she's like, yeah. well, I want to spend half of my week with you and half my week with mummy. Oh, and it's wow. like, oh, look, you know, we might get to that stage at some point. But for now, like, we love having you here for this period of time. And she's the one that also had said to us, she's like, when do I get my own room? If I stay more, can I have my own room? Oh. And so me and my partner are like, we would have never offered that because we have one spare room, which we want to have yeah. spare. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have to clean one room with, like, kids' toys and clothes and stuff everywhere. Like, that's not. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, that could lead into the that could lead into the next question do you want kids of your own yes i do yeah and I scared you off. how many but hasn't scared you off oh, it hasn't scared you off no definitely not like the having kids like i think it's you know i kind of have that that view that you know like you said earlier is like kids are kids and they have emotions and they go through these like you know these series of like growth and changing and evolving and like absorbing everything yeah. and it can be tough but I think for me it's probably like it's definitely made me get to that stage of being I think ready to have kids like I was you know I don't know if ever, anyone's ever ready to have kids but I've definitely been one of those people who since I was 25 thought you know I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna have kids but every time I genuinely thought about it or discussed it with a partner I was like heck no I'm way too young like not prepared for this you know I've got you know career and I want to travel and I'm doing all these things and like you know every yeah. time it kind of came to the do we do it it was just like oh that's a bit daunting but yeah I yeah. think I think also having to put your life on hold to wait for somebody else's life drama to resolve or at least to progress mm -hmm. to a point where I think we can even start thinking about it is like has made me want it more because I have had to sort of be patient, um, you know, both going through the process of divorce and, um, you know, having those parenting orders put in place. But also I think it's kind of twofold. It's like I don't want to bring children into a world that's this high level of conflict because it will impact them mm. in some way. And, you know, totally. it's my responsibility to protect those children as much as possible from having to experience that level of conflict. But then also I think for the girls that, you know, we do have and we are responsible for is also like for, for me, it's probably keeping in mind that they needed to get to a place where they have like a level of certainty and security and security. they feel comfortable and, you know, there's not going to be any kind of, or not that it's not going to be, but like we try to alleviate that level of like, you know, you're replacing me or, you know, what do mm. these kids mean? Like what does having brothers and sisters mean for me? And um, we've actually gotten to the point where the oldest has started, you know, she started saying, she's like, you know, are you going to have a brother or sister for me? And then she'll be like, are you, yeah. have you got a belly, a baby in your belly yet? And she's like, <laughs> asking these questions and I'm like, oh, no, Shit. not yet. But, yeah, but then also, yeah. like, I feel like if you guys didn't have that extra stress, you may already be at that point. But then do you find, like, you, you guys may hesitate because if you and your partner do have a child, that may make it worse for your current situation? Like, Yeah, there's definitely, like, there's definitely that consideration. And I think for me it's been shit to have to consider 
Yeah, know, why the fuck should you like, do? How do I how do I tell people if I was pregnant? You know, if we told the girls, do we have to tell their mum first or can we tell the no. girls and then tell their mum? Or like, you know, you is know. this gonna be a massive issue? Is she going to wanna, you know, restrict time with their dad mm. if all of a sudden there's another kid in the picture, you know, is like it's just it's just all of these thoughts that you just shouldn't have to have. Like I, mm-hmm. I like that idea of like you shouldn't, but it just is the way it is. Um, but yeah, I definitely think we probably would have like already considered starting a family mm-hmm. if there wasn't it's one. Funny. And I think yeah, it's a very interesting scenario because in a situation like that, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but you know, you you could be fighting this battle forever, and mm. you know that's the reality of it. Unfortunately, given that um, you know instability of of breakup sometimes, so you know you you're out of a phase now of what four and six years old. Yeah, the girls. Yeah, so you know you've got um, well, you know there might be changes in schools. There might be extracurricular activities there might be then um you know high school and universities I mean a billion things a billion different things and polar opposite views as well that may come into play Mm. you know being a parent whether you're a step parent whether you're a biological parent I don't think it matters Uh, the way that I've been raised it certainly doesn't matter you know you have a a a duty of care and obligation is not the right word, but, you know, it's for life. Like, mm. you don't, they don't all of a sudden turn 18 and now, you know, at 18 you won't have to deal with the other party anymore, but yeah. there certainly will be differences in, you know, oh, mum said it's okay to have sex at 16. Mm. Fuck no. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but just like it could be such different things that like children yeah. throw things at you constantly um and we're obviously really lucky we don't um we don't have that to have to to deal with um mm. you know but it, oh they just rub up against they rub you and i up mum said this and said no <laughs> like, oh, i love that it really does. yeah we <laughs> get the mum that i don't have to go to bed and i'm like whatever yeah. they're like no yeah. we can stay up and eat lollies and i'm like oh yeah did she no okay yeah, great. <laughs> at her house yeah but it's a very um interesting scenario that takes a lot of patience mm. Oh, absolutely. I think like we have had, or definitely I have had to consider that having a first child will not be having a first child. It will be having a third child or a fourth child. And I think the thing for me too, and something I start to think about is, like you said, is the first two have two different ways of being parented or almost, I guess, Mm. three, because, you know, me and my partner, we parent slightly different, but I guess we're always we always come to agreement we're on the same page we approach you know the girls and our routine and the way we do things in the same way and we support each other with that but I guess they have you know there's two different versions of parents there from their mum and and their dad and Mm. you know if if we are to have kids as well those kids will be parented in the way that we want but they will still be subject to this other parenting style because that's what the girls currently have and that's what they're going to bring into the family and I think 
you know, it might be awful to say, but that is something that concerns me because I'm like, hang on, I, you know, we obviously, you know, me and their mum are definitely not the same people. We have very different views and values on a lot of things. And I guess mm. it does concern me because, you know, you think about raising your own children and you kind of, you know, you want the best for them and you want to be able to instill like your values and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the way that you see the world. And I just, yeah, I, de- I think it's definitely, it's like one of those concerns that it's like, well, how would you, how do you overcome things like that when they come up? But yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Resilience. That's the yeah. one thing that I was always told that um, I actually spoke about it in, the, in our last episode about, um like children they like stability so they're smart need it I feel they need their routine like yeah as much as they can be the masters of manipulation they also are smart enough to realize when the time is right Mm. um you know we've got some some curveballs that are going to come at us later on in life with the kids oh, that, i'm going to get like and you probably get it too like you know my male mom like, yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll be <laughs> the, mentally prepared for that starting from now yeah the, and and i think though when it comes to an adult like all of us here would say that you know we would be able to say to our parents like maybe sorry for some of our behaviors <laughs> but um, but also it's your fault. <laughs> but you realise when you get older who was there, who wasn't, what was right and what was wrong. Yeah, yeah no matter what mum or dad says to these children, like they'll yeah, get to an age where they know the truth. Yeah, so if you as a parent can stay stable enough to not involve them the best that you know how, whether it's for one hour a fortnight, or three hours a fortnight, or where you're at now, um, I think that's the, you know, the the comforting part to it that mm. you stay true to what you do, and then they will know. Mm. They know, yeah. even if they have other siblings that you know, and they come and go, they still know. Mm. That's yeah. their. Yeah, I think that's, that's sort of like that's kind of where we landed, you know, even with the girls because obviously, you know, the way they're parented, the lifestyle they have, the family they have, you know, when they're with their mum is so different to what we have. And I think mm-hmm. for us, like we, we decided very early on that it's like we know what we have to offer them and, mm-hmm. you know, all we want is for them to feel loved, um, to enjoy their time with us and, you know, to feel supported. And if we're doing that and we're, you know, that's, yeah. that's really all there is. And it's, you know, so we, you know, you have to suck up the, when they're talking about mum and the other family and, you know, with such mm-hmm. fondness, you have to suck it up and just be like, that's great, like awesome. And, you know, you ask questions and you become part of a conversation where you want to punch that person they're talking about in the head, but you just, you know, <laughs> in that five-minute conversation, it's like that person is the best person in the world yeah. for their sake. And, um, yeah, and I think, like, I think, again, as much as I felt very naive at the beginning of just wanting everyone to be happy and, you know, get along and I kind of, you know, envisioned that we'd have joint birthday parties and, you know, even Christmas. It's like, why can't the girls just open their presents with their mum and their dad on Christmas Day? And who knows, maybe one day, you know, off on a faraway land, that might be possible. (laughs) But at the same time, it's kind of like I still, I would still love those things for them. You know, take Mm. myself out of the equation and take, 
like you said, take egos out of the equation. It's just like I, no matter what, want for them the very best, you know, family dynamic they can have and possible within, you know, this family makeup. Um, Yeah. But that's, like you said, it is what it is. And so you just, you know, you work in with it and do what you can. (laughs) Yeah. Is it true that your parents couldn't step into the same room until Aaliyah was born? Oh, my parents were fucked up. Not to on bad vibes, but now thirty over thirty years, they yeah. um yeah, they really caused a lot of issues for everybody, like not just mm. their own parents, but my brother and I, yeah, we we copped copped it a lot, and it wasn't until they had a few brief periods where, like happy periods. Yeah, I was actually who was I talking to the other day, and um. It might have even been you. Like I think in my whole education, of I went to the same school for 13 years and I think my dad might have come to school maybe like once, mm. maybe twice. Like there was two different worlds, totally two yeah. different worlds, two different upbringings, the way that um, they were in everything. But, yeah, when I was, when I was pregnant, they just had this idea that because mum had, mum was still getting paid maintenance from my dad so there was like a court order that was put in place when I turned 18 because he hadn't paid any maintenance that it was for life that every time he put his Can tax return in. Can we get that from Aaliyah's parents? <laughs> uh, no. Um, I don't know what happened, but basically she'd had enough. She'd had another partner, um, my stepdad, who um, my sister's dad, and neither of them had paid her any maintenance. And so she was like, fuck them both. And she went to court and did whatever she did. So still at 30, she was getting money that was supposed to be for us, but yeah. she was keeping the money. And then, uh, yeah, when I was pregnant, she just had this idea that she was like, hmm. Oh, no, actually, I think dad came to me and dad was like, oh, maybe you could speak to your mother about that money that's coming out of my fucking tax return every year that could maybe go to the baby and so then I went to mum and mum was like no fuck him like went off her tree that's how my mum sounds verbatim yeah (laughs) and um maybe without the fuck him but and then then she came to me she was like I've got a better idea how about I match his money and the whatever the money it was like I don't know I can't even remember like 150 dollars whatever it happened to be I'll match it and we'll put that money into an account, you know, for the child and, you know, then it's the grandparents had doing to it together. One better. Like, yeah, it had, to, it had to be her idea though. That's still ego-driven though, isn't it? Oh, really vibes. Two more questions. Hang like, on, hang on. It's oh, not over. Although, and then it oh, went so on. Fuck for a hot <laughs> it went on for a hot second. And, and meanwhile, it's still happening to this present day. What's happening? Then, Your parents. Yeah. Oh, no, they're all right now. They, they get along but they're still like... After oh, they say shit about each other all the time. Each other. Anyway, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it Your happened dad. for a few months, and then mum started like keeping the money and not giving it anymore. And I was like, Did you? She's like, I can't afford it. I need that money. And I was like, um, but it's maintenance to support your 30 year old children. <laughs> like, I don't know if you really need it. <laughs> and then she owed Aaliyah like thousands of dollars and we've never seen it maybe there'll be a time when she's 18 anyway 
Anyway, <laughs> there is no sort of. Two more questions and we'll let you go. Uh, what uh, court orders aside again? What's the hardest thing about being a stepmom? I think it's probably a few things. I think the one that probably comes to mind the most is especially when there you do have to discipline the girls. And I think for me, it's such a hard thing because, you know, you think if you were, you know, a daycare teacher or a kinder teacher or whatever, there's a level of discipline that doesn't go anywhere near you know, the extent of being a parent and disciplining children. Yeah. And it's I think emotional. Me, it's yeah, it's that emotional, like, attachment to them, you know, where you're feeling what they're feeling at the same time. And I think that's the hardest thing probably for both me and my partner because we discipline the girl. And, like, you know, we're very, you know, you have to apologise and, you know, we prompt them to explain to us, you know, okay, what do you think happens there or like what went wrong or what were you feeling or why did you do what you do what you did? And then we usually just have a bit of time out, which is just to reset. So it's not even time out. It's like, you know, do you want to just go and have some quiet time to have a think about that? And then when you're ready, come back and we can keep playing. And even that, like it's such a soft, I feel like it's such a soft approach. Um, mm. And it's trying to get them to understand their emotions. But it's still, you know, you see that little, that look in their eye where they, you know, it's almost like, I don't know if this is what they feel, but for me, it's that look of like, oh, I've let you down. And I just, you know, this little four-year-old, he's like, I've let you down. I just can't handle the disappointment. And it's just like soul crushing <laughs> to see yeah, that. Yeah. And then also yeah. just to be like, oh my God, I'm not even your parent. And I'm just like crushing your little soul. Yeah, so that's okay. definitely, I think that's probably the hardest thing. And I think the second hardest thing is, is still the, is, still like trying to be a parent with that voice of doubt which mm. you know does come from the girl's mum a lot um and it's just that like you know it's that constant trying to reassure myself it's like you're doing a good job and you know the girls are happy and they're well looked after and you provide a great home and we have so much fun and you know it's just but I think it's that seed of doubt and I'm sure it probably is for any parent um but it's also really nice like I think it's probably maybe a month or so ago and I was just having this week of just like fuck like you know I was told I'm not a stepmom I'm not allowed to call myself a stepmom you know I'm the girlfriend I'm not the mum I wouldn't know what it is to be a mum and it was just all these like nasty comments oh. after nasty comment and I was just feeling like fuck, why am I even doing this like why am I even bothering and I got like three messages. I think actually one was from Cryer and I had another one from a girlfriend and one from a friend um, who I actually hadn't spoken to in five years. And all three of you messaged me in the same week. You're like, you are just such a great role model. Like you're doing an amazing mm-hmm. job. Like, and I was just like, fuck, I really needed that. Like I so needed that this wow. week. Cheerleaders. To get through it. And I was I'll like, do it every day if I have to. That's yeah. fucking hard. <laughs> So can, I, can I say something? You know, when um, I was single mumming it and I actually said to Kariah before we'd even started dating, so been friends for a very long time, and I said to her, who the fuck would want to date a yeah. single mum? Like it was one, of, my, it was one of the things that I said, and like yeah. whether it's a single no, mum or a single dad. Me and um, a friend came over to your house and you asked us both, we were both like, yeah, fuck, I'd take on like. I date someone with kids, like bring it on. Both of us said we would. Yeah, but I I felt like I was the most like ineligible bachelorette. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
of um, this baggage baggage, of shit that like why the fuck would you and I always said and also having a stepdad who took my brother and on my brother and I on when we were five and seven maybe and like I've always said that it is such an incredible human that can accept a little human as their own because Mm. that's what you're doing. Mm. There's no judgment. There is no thought at all about, you know, you do not have to be biologically related to a child Mm -hmm. to have that connection. Mm. And nor I feel even have to like discipline them or whatever. You're just there. You're there for their dad and you're there for them. Whatever capacity that comes in is fucking amazing. So go yeah. you, girl. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant, brilliant job. I'll start like some sorority, like stepmums. I know. Like, well, you were just saying before that you've been trying to find podcasts. So I think mm. maybe we need to to put a call out that someone needs to start a step. You've got two two of them sitting right here. You are not a stepmom. Well, still, I still, I still You're feel stepdad. Good. You know, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lab, you're just putting it on the box. But it's still hard, even if it's easy. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if we haven't had to deal with court orders and stuff, like, it's still hard. But I'll leave that for another episode. (laughs) The most serious question of the night is do you guys put your sauce in the fridge or the pantry? Ah, I heard this on your podcast a few times. What psychotype puts their sauce in um, in the cupboard, though? There like, are some psychopaths out there. Yeah, but and also, I think we did last episode that you did until yeah, I, we, there's I moved no in. evidence. Do you know what? <laughs> though, anyone before. when I've lived in share houses, and then also I feel like maybe growing up we went through a stage where it was in the pantry, and I just all I remember about having sauce in the pantry is that without fail there would just be like a line of ants from who knows where. Going True, yeah. because it's just like there's always gonna be like a tiny little bit of sauce on the top, and the ants just find oh, it. It's no like, sugar. No. No yeah. sugar. Oh yeah, and all, um, yeah. Also, I'm pretty confident on the back of the bottle it says like once open refrigerate. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's still the odd Australian human being that puts in the mm. fucking pantry, and that's not on. Well. You know, that's the debate, isn't it? And sorry, do you have debate. tomato sauce or barbecue sauce? Because that depends <laughs> if we're coming over or not. We have both. Actually, we have like, we literally have an entire, like, our whole fridge door is just sauce oh, and dressing. And then we also oh. now need to have space on one of our shelves as well. Like, it's getting a bit ridiculous, but we have that. Oh, I love condiments. Yeah. You know what you should add to the end is whether people put chocolate in the fridge or the cupboard because that. Or, excuse me, the cupboard, the fridge, or the freezer. I used, I grew up with what? chocolate in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. in the what? freezer. Because people yeah. have rock hard teeth, apparently. That would well, break that was, my Is someone trying to like have all your teeth fall out at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had chocolate in the freezer. Yeah. Absolutely had it. Well, see, that is a great question. And my <laughs> debate is like a block of chocolate should be like in the pantry, but I feel like a packet mm. of Tams belongs in the fridge. <laughs> This episode is over. Mm. <laughs> we could actually have a whole episode of what belongs in the cupboard. <laughs> I like that game, vegan or not vegan. Is oh, we have called? cards. Vegan or not vegan. Is that what yeah, it's called? I don't know. I don't know. We bought a new board game. Oh, we did. Operation, have you played it? No. So that means you have a little squeezes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's old school, isn't it? I know, but we yeah, bought it. 
More for the and kids. And you were letting the kids cheat. Well, it was going. Where is your competitive streak? No, 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 no we actually, they do know how to win and lose. I've given that. Zzz, zzz, that's lose. It was just a first <laughs> time. I just no. need to get used to the. They did well. Let's just say there's no doctors going to be happening. You know, no, they both got one out. A one. That's amazing for a four and a six year old. It's not good enough. Surgeons are us. Tough. Maybe they'll be anyway. like full poppers or something. Yeah, very exactly. Late. Totally. Thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And you keep doing you, girl. You're doing an incredible thing. Thanks. Absolutely. Lovely to chat to you guys. Here, here, here. We'll see you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.